Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 25-8 Sportscast, episode 76. I'm your host, Tommy Fink, and alongside me today, as per usual, is my lovely assistant, Jet Rosenstein. Jet, how you doing today? I'm doing great, and it's going to be an exciting episode because we have a special guest coming on. Oh, oh wait. No. It's the yeah. it's the time zones got us got us for the first time hopefully the last time um we're supposed to have a special guest we're gonna have him on you know probably the next week or so uh but time zones really got the best of us in this one no and Jet talks about it all the time it's the coast to coast flights <laughs> um the home and road splits we got fucked by the road here we win this game if we don't have to travel three three thousand miles but exactly. you know it is what it is. We swallow our pride, yep. you know, move foot on. to the rear end, pedal to the metal, we move on. Mm-hmm. Jet, there's a lot in store for this one. So, you know, not all is lost. We still got stat of the day, a top 250,000 segment among Spotify creators. We still have the AL West. We still have NFL free agency. We still have the World Baseball Classic and the patellar tendon of Edwin Diaz. And we still have, Jet, <laughs> maybe we don't have his patellar tendon, but we do still have some March Madness, and of course, a rendition of Word of the Day. We'll call this one Tweet of the Day. But Jet, why don't you go ahead and start us at the top, and that is with Stat of the Day. A top 250,000, a top quarter million segment among Spotify. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's on the rise. Like, I, I like to look at the trends, and it is trending up. Uh, I look at like episode over episode, you know, change. It's over a thousand percent increase um, in terms mm-hmm. of ranking from the last episode, but little Complete by little, um, little, little by little, we'll, we'll get to the top. Uh, I, th- I don't think we've covered any any football related uh, stats on this segment yet, so that's what we're going to do in this one. And obviously, and I, and I think you know we'll, we'll talk about it hopefully in a little bit in regards to the Bears uh, making that massive trade with the Carolina Panthers involving that number one pick. So I wanted to do some research and see, you know, some of the instances where that number one overall pick has been traded and what those trades ended up being, uh, what both sides got and so on and so forth. Uh, so that the data I'm using, it only goes back to 1994. So I'm only looking at trades that involve the number one pick since that specific day, date. Uh, and there were four instances of that. And the most recent one uh, came back in 2016. Maybe, maybe you'll remember. I don't know how much you were into the, the pigskin back then. But 2016, uh, we had the Tennessee Titans trade with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, just off the top of your head, do, do you know who was a part of that trade? The, Jared the, Goff. Yes, Jared, Jared Goff was the big headline in that one. He ended up going number one overall. Uh, the Titans originally had that pick, but they traded that number one overall pick a 2016 fourth round pick and a 2016 sixth round pick uh, for the Rams uh, to the Rams for the 2016 first round pick, a 2016 second round pick, another 2016 second round pick, a 2016, 2016 third round pick and uh, two 2017 picks, a first rounder and a third rounder. I mean, without hearing the players, uh, who do you think like won that trade? Just just based off the, like yeah, the Titans, got a, the Titans got a lot of picks. The Titans yeah. got a ton of picks. So the Titans. Okay, so now let me <laughs> let me list you what these picks um you know turned out to be. So that first round pick, that number one overall that the Rams ended up getting, obviously Jared Goff. Uh, the Rams ended up trading that fourth round pick, but the player that it ended up being, uh, Nick Kubikowski. He's good. Um, and then that sixth rounder. 
from 2016 ended up being Tem- Tamaric, Temeric Hemingway. Uh, so I think you look at this He's side of the deal. You look at this good side player. of the deal, just really just Jared Goff. Uh, so just keep that in the back of your head as I as I go over what the Titans got. So that 2016 first rounder, uh, they ended up trading that, but that that slot ended up being Corey Coleman, uh, former former wide receiver in the league. I don't I don't really think he's doing much now. Um, kind of irrelevant. Uh, the 2016 second round pick ended up being Austin Johnson. Um, the 2016 second round pick ended up being Derrick Henry. So there, okay. there's, there's a good piece there. Um, the next pick, the 2016 third round pick was ended up getting traded. And then it ended up being Sean Coleman. Uh, the 2017 first round pick ended up being Corey Davis. So maybe another name people out there would know. And then another name people probably know the 2017 third round pick ended up being Johnny Smith. And, um, Stathead, where I'm getting all these stats from, has the grades for for each side to this trade in ter- terms of total value. But which side do you think won this deal? The Los Angeles Rams jet. They have won a Super Bowl since, and I can tell you the other team is not. That is true. That 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 is a fair point. Obviously, it wasn't with Jared Goff, but I that that yeah. does make but a Goff lot has of, been good. Since that does make a lot of sense. LA too. Um, you know, t- taking that that part of it out out of the equation, the way that they valued this trade is that um, the Titans got the best of this trade, considering when the value they got from from the players involved. Right. Obviously, Jared Goff is is a good player, but obviously not what the Rams expected him to be, and then. Derrick Henry, I'm talking about value to a team. He's been extremely valuable despite them not having a ton of long-term success. Um, and I'll just read the three other notable trades. I'm not going to really go into detail just because I think that one was good just because we, we know the most about it. But in 2001, uh, Michael Vick was the number one overall pick. That that pick was traded uh, from the San Diego Chargers to the Atlanta Falcons. Notable name on the other side of that deal, Danny and Tomlinson. So I, I think we could say that that deal pretty much worked out for both sides. And then the other one, uh, the first overall pick was Orlando Pace uh, traded to the St. Louis Rams. No one really notable in terms of wide high. I know in, in this trade, Walter Jones, Dan Neal, Terry Day, Coy Detmer. That was back in 1997. And then the last one, the Carolina Panthers, they traded the number one overall pick, with, which ended up being Kijana Carter. Uh, they got Kerry Collins and Sean King. The interesting thing about all four of these deals, the team that got all of the picks in terms of value ended up, you know, coming on on top. And that's usually how it goes. I mean, football is a 53-man roster for a reason, Jet. Yeah. You know, you got to learn something. Benches are important. I mean, well, well, I, well, I feel like I, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here. I feel like I'm listening to myself speak. Bench players are important, especially in the dynasty fantasy half PPR format. Well, well, talking about that, I mean, let's let's talk about the the Bears um, Panthers <laughs> trade. Do, do you think the the Bears? I mean, the Bears got a, a lot. I'll, I'll I'll read the details off to you, but um, before I before I read those details, do you think the Bears, considering the haul they got, I, I have it right here. Okay, DJ Moore, number nine overall pick. A second round pick this year, 2024 first round pick, and a 2025 second round pick. What do you think? Just for the 1-1, one, one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Bears killed. They yeah, don't need a quarterback. They're still get, you're still getting the ninth best pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, think, 
I think DJ Moore in the nine would have been like sufficient to be honest with you. Wow. Like to add a second round this year and then what a first and a second next year, you said? Yeah. Yeah, that's so, a second that's a lot. 2025, but still. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot. I mean, to get yeah, for that, for an unproven, one unproven player. And that's, that's the thing that, that 2024 first round pick, um, the Panthers are really bad, which could very well be the case, considering they'll be going with a pretty young team with a most likely a rookie quarterback. And that's that that's a pick that could end up being in the top five. Think about how many bad draft picks the Panthers have made. Like, True. They've just they've just turned a chance to get like maybe hit on two out of four draft picks. They have one chance. Like if they don't if they don't hit this draft pick and they don't win two Super Bowls from this quarterback, they have completely lost. It's yeah. like I think it's I think a Super Bowl under whoever they draft is the only measurement of success in this trade. But I agree. He, I totally even then agree. I'm happy because Terrace Marshall Jr. will be the primary ball handler for now. For, a, for now, for well, for a high-powered first overall pick quarterback, I'm very excited about that, Jed. Glad, glad you are. Ah, thank you. I mean, I know like it's better than having like you know Baker Mayfield to Chris Godwin type, you know, connection. I'd, yeah. I'd take I'd take I'm, Terrace Marshall and maybe Bryce Young. I mean that's you. Sure. I mean you you make those kinds of arguments like saying the Raiders are going to win the division, just just stupid nah. little statements like that. Um, but it's fine. Can't I can't remember anything of that nature. But Jet, let's get to the AL West. I think it's time to get this very easy to predict division out of the way. What do you say? Yeah, I mean if you think it's easy, sure. But uh, quite easy. I mean I I have the correct records of all five teams right in front of me. You sure? So, uh, they, add up, uh, they add up to 162. This time they do. So <laughs> I think I think I don't I don't see why the Oakland Athletics don't go 48 and 114 this year, Jet. Maybe you really? see differently. I really. I'll go first. Is that fine? Well, I mean, you said it. So <laughs> coming in fifth in the AL West, I have the Oakland Athletics. This is a team where I look and I see nothing to be excited about. I mean. Obviously, the bullpen is a lot to be desired, and that's how it is with most young teams and most bad teams. The bullpen is like the worst part of a bad or a young team. Other than that, we're looking at old-ass Jesus Aguilar as like the centerpiece to this team. Tony Kemp, you know, he's had his – you know, he's had his fair share of of following, but he's 31 now, and he clearly didn't live up to the hype that he was once as a prospect. Jonah Bride, Aledmus Diaz, who is also very old at this point. Christian Pache is a guy that was dropped to waivers by the Atlanta Braves two years ago, and this may be like the three-hitter in this lineup. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much left to be said. J.J. Blade obviously, is their their biggest, like, he is their centerpiece. If he doesn't hit, this team maybe hits, like, a combined 202 this season, like, at best. This is a really bad team, Jet. Forty-eight yeah. and one. And honestly, I don't, I don't necessarily think JJ Blade is going to be a big part of the team this year, just because he he actually got sent down. Yeah. Um, he got optioned the other day, and and not not to saying that he's not going to have a role on the team, just because of how how bad it is, he'll get his chance. But you mentioned it. Um, not a lot to like here. Um, like you could usually with these types of teams, you can look at some some of the younger guys and and think, hey. Uh, this may right. be a case where one of these guys emerges, and it's possible with someone like uh, Shea Langeliers, who they got in the Atlanta Braves trade for Sean Murphy, he could emerge. Uh, but you know, after that, 
Um, you, you have a lot of pieces that, like some of the the pieces that people know, like Ramon Lariano and Seth Brown, these guys, these are guys that could be moved uh, at some point in this season. So I, I have the athletics uh, finishing a little bit better, 53 and 109. Uh, it is down though from where they finished um, a year ago with 60 wins. Uh, but but nevertheless, it's, it's going to be a rough season for the athletics. I just think they're doing everything they can to just get out of Oakland already. Yeah. Number four for me is the Texas Rangers, Jet. Okay. 72 and 90. Okay. And I, I I have a feeling you're going to have this as a third-place team and have this as an 80-plus win team. And truthfully, I would like to as well, looking at it on paper. Jacob deGrom's already down with an injury. Andrew Heaney has had his fair share of injuries. John Gray is older than a motherfucker. You know, like, so there's the – there's the Nathan Ivaldi also is, is older. He's getting older. But, you know, he's – I think he'll be reliable this season. So that's that's three starting pitchers, two of them, that, especially Jacob DeGrom. We don't know how often we're going to see him pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Ian, uh, Andrew Heaney, same thing. The bullpen is what it is. Will Smith, Ian Kennedy, a bunch of other names you don't really know. And then and then there's the, the story of the hitters, Jet, the story yeah. of the guys that we've come to know and love that for some reason didn't put up good offensive numbers together last season even though individually they all seem to have accomplished some sort of feat. You know, Nate Lau was on both of our top 10 first baseman lists. Semyon was on both of our top 10 second baseman lists. Corey Seager was in the top 10 shortstop list. Yet they didn't get anything done with it. So I, I'm not in a position to think that this team is going to be much better than they were last year. Obviously, those three names I just mentioned are three good hitters and three big names, Adelise Garcia as well in right field. Mitch Garver is going to DH is what it's looking like. Brad Miller as well. But, you know, this is a team that I, I don't see. I, I've seen a little bit of hype around them this year, and that was mostly when DeGrom was healthy, but I don't see it. Texas Rangers, 72-90. and 90. Yeah, I mean, three and four is tough for me. Um, and then on top of that, thinking about the records was even tougher. But I do agree with you. I have the Rangers coming in at it and fourth. I have them finishing with a little bit better record. I have them finishing at 80 and 82, I think they get to that 80. I do think they get to that 80 win mark. Um, I just have concerns about their their upside as a team. I mean, this is a team that only had 68 wins. Um, for them to make a significant jump, I, I think it's going to be really hard, even with the additions they made. Like you mentioned, like their their pitching rotation is a totally different than what we saw a year ago. And I think with those additions, obviously, barring they stay healthy, which is a big, big if, um, I think they can get to 80 wins just based off the pitching alone. And then with, with their offense, uh, you look at the top of the lineup, it's, it's very, it's a very solid top of a lineup. But then when you get to the bottom of it, um, very, very hard to maintain a level of consistent off- offensive production. When you have, when you have really guys that are going to need to either, either take a step forward or have career years if this team wants to, you know, have a shot at making the playoffs. And and I think you can make an argument for someone like Josh Jung, who um, their number one overall pick, uh, number one prospect in their organization, projected to play third base. If he emerges, maybe this team takes another step forward. But uh, at this point in time, I, I see the Rangers finishing a couple of games below 500. Yeah, and, and like I said, like it, looking at the staff on paper – like, if I knew for 162 games, like a well-oiled machine, it would be one through five. DeGrom, Heaney, Ivaldi, Perez, and John Gray. Then I'd say, you know what? Yeah, this team can fight for a playoff spot this year. 
DeGrom's already missing time. And the reality is everyone misses time with at least three of their starting pitchers. I think that's mm-hmm. a fair yeah. statistic to say. But, you know, Rangers not doing it for me just yet. A lot of big names, a lot of big money. But uh, I'm not seeing a lot of hope. Number three, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim Jet. I have this team going 74 and 88. And this team has been top heavy ever since Albert Pujols came over and had his first non-300 batting average, 30 home run, 100 RBI season. By the way, that season he did hit 299 with 29 homers and 99 RBIs. I don't know if you're aware of that. But, you know, it's always been the stars and the, stu- and the, stars and studs and the shit. Okay, so here's the stars and studs. We know Shohei Otani. Okay, we know Mike Trout. All right, we know Jared Walsh. I don't know if I'm going to call him a star, but we know him. Anthony Rendon, I'm done considering him. I'm done hoping for a good season ever again from him. He's done, in my mind. He's done for me. And then, obviously, came on like a pile of bricks last season is Taylor Ward, who, you know, all of a sudden the Angels have, like, the best outfield in baseball. Uh if Shohei Otani was to take more reps in right field like he did that one year. But Trout, Otani, Ward, Jared Walsh, these are good players. And then I'm looking at the rest of this team. Oh, and they added Hunter Renfro as well. I forgot to mention that. This is a good – it's a good outfield, Jed. It is, and this is why I think this is the third best team in the division, even though they have much worse of a rotation than Texas. I just think the hitters are going to be able to get it done better. Even David Fletcher – Showed some flashes last year. I just think this team is is good enough to go 74 and 88. No better, no worse. Like I said earlier at the top of the show, I'm looking at the five records right now. I don't even know why I'm talking about them for so long. Yeah, for me, I have the Los Angeles Angels coming in in third place with a record of 81 and 81. I think this is a very similar scenario to the Texas Rangers. Um, uh, this is a team that we've seen, you know, bits and pieces of them being the team that can potentially get Mike Trout to the playoffs for the first time, but they're ever able to get over that hump. And I, I don't see it happening this year, even with they, they made a lot of nice additions. I think in the off season, Hunter Renfro, uh, Brandon Drury, Brandon Drury had a career season last year. They're, they're hoping that he could continue that. And then, um, you know, looking at their starting rotation, adding Tyler Anderson, who had a career year in, in another Los Angeles team. Um, I mean, those those are solid additions there. I look at their rotation. I think it could compete in terms of um, in division with the Texas Rangers. When I look at someone like Rude Detmers, I think he's going to have a breakout season. And this is the type of guy – he threw a no-hitter last year, if, if you remember, if anyone out there remembers. This was a guy that was in the headlines for throwing a no-hitter, and he showed he showed um, that he had the potential all season long, only 24 years old. Um, and, and then to pair that you know, with Shohei Otani at the top, I think this rotation could be a lot better than what it's made out to be at this point in time. Um, you know, But in the end, they don't have an unbelievably strong bullpen, and then their lineup – just like the Rangers gets a little bit weak once you get towards the bottom. Uh, so I, I think the angels can stay competitive all season long, but I just don't see, see them doing enough to get into the playoffs. Okay. I'll tell you a lineup that doesn't get weak towards the bottom jet. And that is the Seattle Mariners. Okay. This team was good last year. I think they're going to be really good this year. Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, obviously the, the addition of Luis Castillo First full year with the team is going to be a big thing. It's going to be huge for this rotation. We know – I'm not going to spend time talking about 
obviously, uh, Julio Rodriguez, rookie of the year. He came onto the scene and exploded, almost won a home run derby. Julio Rodriguez, we know about him. Teoscar Hernandez very quietly had an extremely good season last year, hitting 270, 25 home runs. This is a guy that, you know, is going to beef up the middle of that order. A.J. Pollock, Jared Kalenic, if he can hit it all. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, who we talked about on the third baseman show, you know, he's going to show, he's going to come with power. We know he's going to do that every season. This could be a guy, if he hits in cl- some clutch spots, you know, he's going to be the kind of difference for this team, in my opinion. If he can hit in some clutch spots, maybe if he's hitting 300 with runners in scoring position, this team is, is, is a very good team. This team is a very good team. But if he's hitting 125, this team is, is not as good of a team because I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's going to hit like five or six. Runners are going to be on base for him. Uh, it's going to come down to if he can, you know, produce. And then Cal Rally as well at catcher. It's very valuable to have a good hitting catcher. He broke out towards the end of last season, the last month or so. And I think he's going to continue that. I think this is going to be a good team this year. 87 and 75 Jet Seattle Mariners. Okay, I, I have them finishing with a little bit better of a record, ninety-five and sixty-seven. I, I think the okay. Seattle Mariners, the Seattle Mariners team, um, they have World Series aspirations, and I can see them making a deep run. And you talked about the depth of their lineup. Um, we talked about one of those additions to Oscar Hernandez, but another addition they made is probably going to be sitting at the top of that line of Colton Wong. I think those are two big additions that really, you know, transform this lineup to the next level. Um, you look at one through nine, there is not a glaring weakness. I think if you're going to, you know, look at one, it's probably Jared Kalenic. But just just imagine if he he emerges and he is the player that he was drafted to be, uh, it would it would be one of the best lineups in baseball. And then and then the rotation you talked about Luis Castillo, uh, and then they have really five solid guys that can give you quality innings. Uh, these aren't guys that aren't gonna like light up the box score or you know put up a highlight reel or anything. But Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, George Kirby, Marco Gonzalez, uh, four other solid starting pitchers to have. And I mean, it's a really complete rotation. And then in the bullpen, uh, they can count on three, really three, four guys in, in, in crucial situations. Uh, Paul Seawald had a, a fantastic season. And then Andres Munoz, um, young guy that is that broke out last year and is expected to be a big part of what they're doing uh, this upcoming season. There's, there's a lot to like for the Mariners. I, I can see them uh, being one of those teams that can get to the World Series. And I think they're going to give the Astros a run for their money this year. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to give them a run for their money. I don't know about 95 wins, though, Jet. Obviously, coming in first is the reigning World Series champion, Houston Astros, just barely defeating the best team in baseball to take home the pennant and the World Series, the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, You know, this is the same team we saw last year, Jet. I'll tell you what they added, though. They added 302, 15 home runs, and 75 RBIs in the form of Jose Abreu. And Jose Abreu, by the way, 15 home runs is by far the worst mark in his career. For some reason, the power was way down last year. I don't think that's a trend to continue. I think I'm expecting like a 285, 30-bomb, 100-RBI season just to throw into an already unbelievably dangerous Houston Astros starting lineup with the likes of Martin Maldonado, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jeremy Pena, who Jet thinks is in the top 10 shortstop, Chaz McCormick, who looked good towards the end of last year, Michael Brantley, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez. 
very good roster indeed, Jet. Yeah, you're you're Don Alvarez, the uh the DH. Yes, you're Don Alvarez the DH. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I obviously obviously I have the Astros finishing in first place. Um record of ninety nine and sixty three, so four four games better than the uh Seattle Mariners. And and when I look at this Astros lineup, it you look at their their top six. Um, for me, it's it's the best top six in, in terms of starting lineup in baseball. Um, when you look at it, this is their projected top six in the order. Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman. Take a peek, buddy. Uh, Yorlan Alvarez, Jose Abreu, and Jeremy Pena. Um, I, I think for me, this this one, this the one issue I have with the Astros is potentially if, if someone goes down to due to injury, um, will they have the depth to be able to replace that guy and and i'm looking at their bench i'm not a huge fan of the guys on their bench but you know that's something they're gonna have to you know use their their bench guys because not everyone is going to stay healthy for a full season it, it rarely ever happens um so i, I think if if the astros do have any type of downfall it would be because of that and then the rotation obviously no more justin verlander um it, it, it's gonna be probably a little bit of an adjustment but i think they have plenty of arms to be able to make up for the loss of him i think hunter brown their number one prospect can be a big part of replacing justin verlander obviously not not replaceable but they can easily do that uh, with the quality of talent they have in their pitching uh, rotation and their bullpen um, as good as any bullpen in the MLB led by Ryan Presley, their closer. And it, it's just a very, very good team that is going to be competing again for a world series this year. What record did you say, my friend? 99 and uh, seven, 63. Okay. 96 and 66. I forgot to mention my record. Uh, so you're only three games off. Not a bad prediction by you. Uh, like I said, I do have the correct numbers here. How, how Jet, do you know that? I'm gonna I'm gonna clip this after the show and and we'll we'll yeah, back no. on it after because I'm sure it'll yeah be sure. Right. sure ready Astros. Right. I'll I'll just say the wins. Astros yeah, yeah. 96. Yeah. Mariners 87. Okay. Angels 74. Okay. Rangers 72 and the Athletics. 48. <laughs> okay, I mean, even if you get one of them right, no, you know, tip, tip of my cap to you, but not going to okay. happen. You don't wear caps too often. <laughs> I, don't. I don't. So, tip something else for me, huh? Uh, I don't know what else you want me to tip. So. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and jumble this segment into current sports news, Jed. Okay. <laughs> current sports news. This, we'll just we'll just throw, we'll bounce stories off of each other. Yeah, let's, uh, let's you know, as, keep it consistent. Let's let's go from one sport to the next. Let's not go no, from no, 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 no. Uh, we'll basketball bounce stories. to football to football to basketball, basketball to baseball to soccer to hockey to hockey to rugby. Whoa, let's, don't worry about soccer, know. hockey, or rugby. <laughs> I'm just going to bounce a story off of you. You bounce a story off of me. Like Jet mentioned at the top of the show, we are, you know, this is improv for us because yeah. we did have something else planned very yeah. last minute. Unfortunate miscommunication error on your end, yeah. On my end, no. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent, absolutely, one hundred percent. So let me go ahead and first, I'll, I'll bounce the first thing off. Bounce of you. it, Ready? bounce it right off me. So this happened earlier this afternoon. We are recording Thursday the sixteenth. Earlier this afternoon, number thirteen Furman upsets Virginia in the Paladins' first NCAA tourney game in forty-three years. The thirteen seed Furman takes down the number four seed Virginia. That's how you start off March Madness. Brackets everywhere are in shambles. Yeah, Jet did you have bounced. them in your bracket? 
I didn't fill out a bracket this year. Yeah, of course not. Um, I, I did. So I, I have three brackets just because I'm in separate groups. I did have Furman in one of them, so I, I, I can't say okay. I was one of the few yeah, that, that, that picked them there. Um, I don't know if you saw the play that the, that Furman won on, but a really, really bad um, decision by the Virginia player who apparently – has been on this team for quite some time, a veteran, um, looks like a fifth-year senior type of player. Um, instead of just sitting there and getting fouled, he decides to throw it up into the air and maybe hope that time runs out. But time is not close from running around. There was a good 15 seconds left at that point in time. Um, maybe he just thought that Furman was just not going to get it. I don't know what he was thinking, but it led it led to Furman obviously sinking that game-winning shot. The rest is history. Uh, that Virginia player um, probably not going to be welcomed back to Virginia after costing cost them. And this, I don't know if you know the history of Virginia in this tournament, but they're also the only number one seed in, in NCAA history to lose to a 16 seed. So not, not great history in, in the first round for this Virginia team. Yeah, and I mean, listen, this guy is going to get blamed. I, I'm, I know that. Here's the thing. You're the four seed beating the 13 seed by two points. You know, things had to go wrong from the opening tip. Things went wrong from the opening tip for this Virginia team. But nonetheless, Virginia's headed home, and Furman will be taking on some other insert college here. San Diego State or um, Charleston, which is the game about to end very shortly. Okay. Uh, Do we know who's looking like they're going to win? San Diego State's up by five right now with about three minutes left. So Chicago – or what was the what was the other one? San Diego State, Charleston, 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 Charleston taking home the dub here. It looks like okay, cool. Jet, let's bounce off another one. All right, let's, yeah. let's go from sport to sport to sport to sport here. Okay. Report: Jets are not close to acquiring Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. Initial thoughts. Um, because we've been hearing we've been hearing all week that it's close. It's so close. Today they come out and say, you know, the Jets really haven't come close with an offer yet. I mean, when all is when the dust settles, when all is set and done, um, Aaron Rodgers will said be said. I meant said. I said said. I think I said said. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will be a New York Jet. Um, just a matter of of working out the the compensation. Um, it's a type of thing where if they don't figure it out, I mean, the Packers don't want Aaron Rodgers coming back to Green Bay after all of this, and obviously the Jets don't want to have to find some other contingency contingency plan after parting ways with Mike White. Don't want to deal with Zach Wilson. I mean, this is going to end up with Aaron Rodgers on the jets. Um, what he will go for. Cause we have to remember, he does have a pretty hefty price tag associated with him. Uh, so it, it's not like we can see a, a crazy package considering he's also up there in age as well. Um, but he'll be a jet. Yeah. I mean, he'll be a jet or he won't play. Because he ain't yeah. playing for the Packers. So, yeah, we got one, two, or zero more years of Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's kind of what everyone thought anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of been confirmed as of late. Patellar tendons. What's up? What's up with patellar tendon, Jet? Tell me about the patellar tendon, can you? Yeah. And I'm really on, on bittersweet, I guess, is a good way to put it with their. No, with, with, with Puerto Rico winning uh, last <laughs> night against uh, the Dominican Republic, a massive upset with, with the Dominican Republic, the, the clear favorite in, in this World Baseball Classic. Uh, while Puerto Rico celebrating, Edwin Diaz obviously closed out the game. Unfortunately for him, 
uh, will not be playing in in this MLB season due due to that patellar patellar tendon injury. Uh, is expected to miss eight months. Um, no, it, it, it's it's a really it's a it's a tough loss for the Mets. But let's be honest, the Mets are used to these types of things. It's just <laughs> they just do not have the luck to to be able to sustain a season where they don't have guys in and out of lineups. Uh, replacing Edwin Diaz is not going to be easy. I, I think this is going to really hurt the Mets. I'm definitely gonna you know. I'm considering now having the Marlins finishing a third after this injury. This is this is the type of thing that that is going to be massive for the Mets. But um, in terms of the World Baseball Classic, it's exciting to see Puerto Rico pull off this upset. Big game against Mexico coming up on Friday. Uh, what, what are your thoughts though on this injury and the impact on the Mets? Well, first I was I was asking for like a rundown on the patellar tendon itself. Um, I thought I thought we were going to get a little medical lesson from you. And yeah. second, the reason I made that face at you is I thought you were going in the direction of it's bittersweet as a Marlins fan. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, that's, that's the direction I thought it was headed, but obviously, yeah, terrible for the Mets. Uh, and it stinks. I mean, the World Baseball Classic, I don't understand why. I mean, I guess it's just the form of spring training, but there's also a reason why, you know, major leaguers don't play nine innings of spring training. You know, I, I think it's... I don't like that it's right before the season, Jed. I think it should be something that's maybe right after the season. I don't. I don't like how it's like a, a such an injury, potential injury issue. I know, but I this is this is not the type of thing you can put after a season. I mean, guys are coming off of 162 game plus seasons where they want to. They, all they want to do is take. A how about break. get rid of the All Star game? Do this. You can't. You can't put this in, in the middle of a season. You, you can't do that either. I think. I think it's perfect the way the way it's set up. I. I get it's not the same. The same kind of game as spring training, but I think this is the perfect tune-up for spring training because these guys, I think, are going to be more ready than anyone else because they're they're playing. Um, obviously they had to get, you know, up to speed a little bit quicker than some of the other guys in spring training, but these guys are going to be more than ready for, for the, the games ahead. And, um, you know, I, I have no problem with with how the current format is laid out. Okay. I mean, you're, you're the WBC guy around here. It's not, not really my, and I, uh... actually, I should, I should give an update on how my bracket is doing. Cause I did, I did post one out on, um, our Instagram page and I still have the potential to get, um my championship correct i my championship prediction was usa versus mexico uh both teams are still alive uh of the um six teams that are still remaining uh the only teams that i did not have left at this point were puerto rico and also um yeah puerto rico because there's there's only yeah, because I didn't have Australia in the quarterfinals. I had Korea and then Italy, Italy. Italy, I didn't have <laughs> in the quarterfinals because I um I had the Netherlands. So Netherlands and, and Korea were were my different ones there. But championship prediction still going strong. John Moran suspended eight games for detrimental conduct. Jet, uh, I'll got a part two to this story because there is sort of a part two. Um, and let me let me. Let me see exactly what the quote was. Moran apologizes for brandishing a gun in a nightclub. It's not who I am. After pointing it at a 17-year-old boy after beating him up uh, maybe a week prior to this. It's not who he is now. You know, it doesn't matter who he was before. He's an athlete. He makes money for 
the government. He pays a lot of taxes. So let's keep him on the street. That's what we do around here. Take thoughts on John Moran, Jet. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate because I, I think Adam Silver said this in, in the statement that he released about, you know, why he was suspending John Moran. Obviously not a good look for him and for him being such a young player that so many young people are gravitating towards um, and, and look up to. Um, it, it's a really it's a it's a setback for his his career and his, his personal brand. Um, I mean, these types of things aren't going to go away, especially this day and age. It's, it's something people are, you know. Unfortunately, gonna like always poke fun at with John Moran. It's just always gonna be associated with this type of thing. Uh, but this is the type of thing where, you know, I, I believe in second chances and and with with, with John Moran as as long as he you know doesn't do something like this or worse, which he could very well do. Um, you know, give give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, money changes people, and I, I think that that's possible what happened this type of situation. But um, hopefully, it's a it's a good learning experience for John Moran here. Yeah, hopefully, Jed. I, I like the way you summed that up. Very nice. What do you What do you think? No, I mean it's it's <laughs> stupid. I, I I told you how I felt last time we were on the show. It's like but tell my me first how you really feel. Last year was my first full season watching basketball, and I thought John Morant was a sick ass dude. Like I was like, yo, this guy's like role model type player, yeah. and it turns out he's just none of those things. And it kind of stinks. It's sad. Like I mean, he had he has a lot of fans, a whole yeah. lot of fans. Yeah, And it's just weird that it happens right after people are making fun of him saying like, oh, John Morant's the first NBA player to ever try to make it back into the hood. Like, like things like that. It's like they make that joke and then he does these things. It's like it's almost seems like it's a a retaliated advance that John Morant did. But I don't know what he's trying to prove and to who. Really weird to me. Stinks. But uh, stop me if you've heard this before, Jet. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. is in his mid-30s and he's trying to make it back into the news Odell Beckham Jr. is currently showing interest in the Ravens and the Chiefs. Thoughts? Yeah, and another team that – well, not another team that wanted him, but Aaron Rodgers actually requested that he play with Odell. I, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. You can only have so many – you can only get so many of Aaron Rodgers' toys over there, and it's already looking like the New York Packers. Not that Odell was a Packer, but just having another one of his guys on his list that he wants may be a little bit hard. Um, I, I do think – Odell will play again. Um, whether it's for one of those teams, um, you know, I, I I could definitely see the Chiefs. Um, I don't know. I just don't know how much he really has left. Um, because considering he he missed the full season here, um, hasn't played since the Super Bowl two Super Bowls ago, and sure he can he can make somewhat of an impact, but. Uh, for whichever team he goes to, I, I don't see him being like a one or number one or number two. He's probably, you know, number three option and, you know, providing some sparks over the course of a season, but nothing crazy like he used to. Yeah, I, I I have to agree with you on that. I don't I don't know. Like, I think it's just at this point, like, just go be a celebrity. Like, go live in Hollywood. Go do your thing. Go be a celebrity. Yeah. Go to red carpets, do all this. Like, you don't want to play anymore. And it's pretty clear. Miles Sanders, four years, twenty-five million to the Panthers. Not a huge story, but it's something to note just because of all know. the moves that that have happened. This is the one that you pick. Uh, <laughs> um, oh yeah, of course, uh, Miles. Sanders. Initial thoughts on this? Um, no, it it seems like it's a good fit. I, I think if if they give Miles Sanders the same volume that they were giving a Dante Foreman, um, obviously Miles Sanders is a much talented player. I think it, it could be a nice fit 
the, the only worry is how good this team will be could affect potentially his play. Um, obviously he wanted the money, you know, it, it makes sense, you know, him going on to a second contract, why not get the money? And then uh, maybe once this contract is up and it's interesting though, it's a four year contract. Maybe he has hope that the Panthers will be something good down the line, but um, you know, not a, not a significant free agent move. Like, like some of these other ones we've seen. Yeah. I mean, let's talk more significant free agent moves. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster to the Patriots, three years, $33 million. What do you got for me, Jet? Yeah, it's interesting because I actually prefer like Jacoby Myers, who they gave up, the let walk, and they gave Juju pretty much a similar deal. Um, yeah, Jacoby's a better player, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think this is the type of thing maybe they want, you know, some guys with some extra flair, some extra TikTok fame on, on their roster here, and I, I think that's what they're doing with Juju. I, Sell more jerseys. What? They want to sell more jerseys. I guess. I mean, personally, I don't know how this is going to work out with Bill Belichick and, and Juju. It seems like they're not really a match polar made with Evans. Yeah, polar opposites. Um, but the, the Patriots need weapons for, for Mac Jones, and I guess this will help them out a little bit. Yeah. Speaking of things that don't really make sense to me, uh, after that deal, we see news of Patriots inquiring about both DeAndre Hopkins and Jerry Judy. So to me, it seems like this organization has zero sense of direction. They don't even, they don't know what they want to do. Yeah. It, so it, if I'm a Patriots fan, I'm upset. I'm very upset. It's like Mac Jones is playing like shit and we're going to have to pay him soon. And the guy behind him, who I can't even remember his name, is playing just as shit, but it'll be cheaper for longer. Uh, Zappy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Zappy. It was Zappy. Yeah. It, it, it's, and yeah. Go ahead. No, no. It's just funny how you talk about teams that don't really have a direction in mind. It reminds me of like this one of this dynasty teams in my league. Um, right. I think he has like Justin Fields and Brock Purdy as his two quarterbacks. Um, Jordan Love, I think. It, uh, yeah, but but uh, ne- you know, nevertheless, um, I don't really <laughs> see a clear direction with this team. Kind of wishy washy, making trades left and right, uh, but no real you know clear theme behind what this team is trying to do. I like to think that's kind of what the Patriots are doing. Um, you know, not comparing Bill Belichick to this this manager whatsoever, but you know, it, it's definitely a a cause for concern for both for, for both parties in this situation. Whatever. Ezekiel Elliott is cut after seven seasons with the Dallas Cowboys Jet. Very, very interesting. I saw a very nice TikTok tribute to Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and it was Ezekiel Elliott's last play as a cowboy. <laughs> I don't know if you remember it. Do you? What was it? He was playing center and he got oh completely my God, dead. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the Titanic music in the oh back and Ezekiel Elliott snapping the ball and getting decked. And that was his last play as a Dallas Cowboy. Perfect way to go out. Um, you know, I think Des Bryant may have had a better last play as a cowboy, you know, but. This is up there. Top top 10 last play as a Cowboy for sure. Ezekiel Elliott, welcome to uh, freedom and welcome to your first chance ever to win a ring. Yeah, it's unfortunate because obviously that, that contract was never worth it from the start. But, you know, the Cowboys just cut and bait with, with that with him and that contract. And hopefully Zeke can maybe uh, resurrect his career. Has, hasn't really been the same player as it was early on. Health, health being a major concern, but we'll see where he ends up, if anywhere. 
Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have been completely hindered as far as fantasy value go, as Baker Mayfield will now be throwing the ball to them. Thoughts on that move, Jeff? I, I, I think it hinders more Mike Mike Evans' fantasy uh, value. More, more, more so, let me explain. Um, Mike Evans, obviously known for, for being a deep threat. Um, Chris Godwin, more of a guy that can be used, you know, at the line of scrimmage, short yarded situations. Obviously a a, a reception machine. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield isn't the most desirable option to be inserted into this, but it's not necessarily going to be the starter. We don't really know what we're getting from Kyle Trask. He's never played in an NFL game. It's possible that he could be better than Baker Mayfield. Uh, but one thing about Baker Mayfield is he did show that maybe he has a little bit left in the tank with the Rams last year. Um, you know, Maybe some additional weapons with what the Bucs have. Maybe it's a sign that, you know, Baker Mayfield can, you know, get the Buccaneers to at least 500 and, and satisfy these two guys. But, um, Obviously a downgrade from Tom Brady, but I don't I don't really think it's the end of the world. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe I wouldn't if I was a Godwin fantasy owner either. Uh next thing, Jet. You for a long time on this show have had the Denver Nuggets as the best team in the NBA in your power rankings back to back. I think this is over the course of two months now. Yeah. Uh the Milwaukee Bucks have become the first team to clinch a playoff spot in the NBA after their victory over Phoenix a night ago. And now Jet, Denver is amid a losing streak where head coach Malone says we've gotten away from who we are as a team and as an organization. Cause for concern for the Denver Nuggets, yes or no? I don't think so because it's normal for any team to have these types of – like we we haven't seen a situation all season long where the Nuggets were at this low point and they've hit their low point. Um, Obviously, you don't want to see this extend to a couple – um weeks or a week before the playoffs because that wouldn't be great for them you know looking ahead but um i think the nuggets can can rebound from this it's just about making adjustments um obviously you know if i was doing power rankings right now i wouldn't have them in number one just because of this 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 streak here, well you but, shouldn't have had before but well they, yeah. they they were at that point in no. time and that's when we're doing these rankings but the nuggets yeah. will be just fine um but it'll be interesting to see if they can finally, you know, have some success deep into the playoffs. No, I mean, I feel what you're saying, Chet, but uh, I don't know if I'm buying it. That's I'll fine. give it to you, though. DeAndre Swift fantasy owners, power <laughs> in a corner, David Montgomery, three years, 18 million. Initial thoughts on that move, Jeff? Yeah, obviously not not what you want to see if you're a DeAndre Swift owner, but I don't necessarily think it's the end of the world. I think what David Montgomery brings to the table is very similar to what Jamal Williams brings to the table in terms of being that goal line back, uh, not catching many passes out of the backfield. Uh, DeAndre Swift, obviously the touchdown upside wasn't there last year, wasn't isn't going to really be there this year. But, um, you know, in PPR-type formats, he's still extremely valuable. The question is, can he stay healthy for a full season? Um, you know, in bits and pieces throughout every year in his career, he's shown flashes that he can be a top running back in the NFL, but he's just not able to stay consistent. Um, definitely definitely the type of move where I would hold on to him because, you know, until he starts peaking, I think, in, in the season, there's no reason to move him now when his, his value is at an all-time low. Uh, I don't know if it's an all-time low. It I is. think it was an all-time low when uh, Jamal Williams was out, out touching him, but I don't know. Maybe that's me. Manny Pacquiao and talks to come out of retirement, Jet. 
initial thoughts on this? Um, yeah, so I, I can I can talk a little <laughs> bit about this. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I think about with Manny Pacquiao, um, yeah. the Manny Pacquiao-Conor McGregor fight, whenever it was uh, 2016, 2017, I actually had a fantasy draft, a live fantasy draft on that day. So it was a little bit of conflict. People wanted to watch the fight. People wanted to do the draft. Um, but yeah, that's the story. That's a good story. Uh, I was asking, like, current thoughts on the current yeah, situation. Though. I don't really have anything to add on to that. Uh, whatever okay. he decides to do, um, good for him. It's his Are you life. supporting? Do you um, support either decision? No, I, I don't support either decision, to be honest. I, I just don't really care for the sport. Um, okay. But, yeah, have at A couple it. NFC East teams bolstering their secondary. James Bradbury back to the Eagles three years, $38 million. And the Cowboys adding Stefan Gilmore from the Indianapolis Colts, giving up just a fifth round pick. Two good moves. I think those are both moves that absolutely help the team receiving the player. Um, what do you think of Stefan Gilmore and James Bradbury? Yeah, I mean, uh, both both pieces that, you know, solidify cornerback or secondary rooms for, for both of those teams. Um, obviously, with Stefan Gilmore, not really the player that he was, uh, but – you know, if, if you're looking at him with like a replacement level cornerback, I think he's still good enough to get the job done, add some nice depth to that that Cowboys room. And then James Bradbury um, is a very good player and, and you know, definitely worth keeping around for sure. Talk about another corner while we're hold on, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. While we're on the while we're on the subject. I don't like talk, staying on subjects. No, we're, we're going to talk about another corner. We're going to talk about Jalen Ramsey to my Miami Dolphins. Uh, a, fa- a fantastic move. Only having to give up a third round pick and a backup tight end. Um, I personally love it. I think pairing him up with Xavier Howard. Um, I think for Xavier Howard, I think he's as happy as anyone that he gets to share that cornerback room with Jalen Ramsey. Maybe we see you know a bounce back season from him. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey has showed glimpses of looking like he's washed and doesn't have anything left. But we have to remember, at one point in time, this was a cornerback that was at the top of his game and the top of the league in terms of corners. And for a team that doesn't necessarily have a ton of cornerback depth right now, losing Byron Jones, um, I think this is a great move for the Dolphins. What do you think? No, it's a great move if it works out, Jed. You got you got to yeah. remember, there's always an if. You know, yeah. whenever there's a... I don't know how to put it, but whenever there is a statement, there's always an if to it. This is sure. this will work out if it works out, Jet. I mean, I know that makes complete sense, but let me go a little bit more in depth. Yeah. To me, a expensive veteran only makes sense when the club thinks that they can win the whole thing within their tenure on the team. Jalen Ramsey, Bradley Chubb. If they don't think that they can win with Tua, they wouldn't be doing this. So obviously they think they can win with Tua. And with the offense, how it is, and the defense, how it is. I'm not saying I disagree, but I don't know if I trust Tua's health to hold up long enough. And to me, this is a deal I don't make. These are deals that, like, if you don't win, these are the type of deals that really, really screw you for years to come. You know, like, just just putting so much of the cap over to players that are, like, the defensive bolstering, like, obviously, like I mentioned, Chubb and Ramsey. They need to do their job, A. They need to play very, very well, A. And then B, obviously, too, it needs to stay healthy. And then C, they need to beat out an unbelievably deep AFC. I don't make these moves, but again, 
I'm not in the position to make right, them exactly. or not make That's them, why so. you're you're sitting in, in front of your computer and uh, Chris Greer's uh, make, making the tough calls down in South Beach. I, I don't know if you knew this, Jed. I actually have as many Super Bowls as Chris Greer. Do you really? I do. <laughs> do you know how many that is? Unfortunately, it's zero. It's zero. It's zero. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know what what uh, qualifications Chris Greer has over me, but it's, it's not Super Bowls. Either way. Very interesting here on this one. Scherzer wants a midseason World Baseball Classic. <laughs> this early is, quote, rolling the dice with my arm. Thoughts? I disagree. I, I don't know how it would work it, it, in the middle of the season. Hey, that's um, why you're in front of your computer and he's on the mound, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just wouldn't work. Um, it, It's similar to the end of the season. Like, guys want a little break from the gauntlet that is the MLB season. And um, I don't necessarily think there would be the same or an increase in participation if it was in the middle of the season, even though, you know, these guys are in the thick of things. Um, I, I just, I just, I just <laughs> think of the thing. I just don't think it makes sense. Um, like it, it just, if you're putting it in the summer, I just don't think you have all the same guys participating. I think it's very similar to what we've seen like the Olympics when it's just minor league college guys participating um, I think, again, the format is perfect how it is, and I wouldn't change it. Okay, as long as you wouldn't change it, I think that's all that matters. Exactly. Uh, Trevor Bauer on a one-year deal to the Yokohama Bay Stars, a Japanese baseball team. Initial thoughts on that. And I have seen uh, one, one analyst say that you made an embarrassment to your team and your league by signing Trevor Bauer, but I want to hear what this analyst thinks in Jet Rose. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> I I I like it for Trevor Bauer. Um, I think it's the type of thing if he ever wants to get back to the big leagues, he has to he has to do this type of make this type of tough decision, go overseas and play in a country where probably ninety five percent of the people there don't even know what happened in 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 Trevor Bauer's scenario. No, he's got a clean slate. Exactly. None of the girls know. It, it's a clean slate. <laughs> um, the but, local females, they're not aware of what has gone on. That's the thing. I mean, is he just going to start a world tour and go from <laughs> country to country after mistake after mistake? Um, the jury's still out on that. So, Jamal Deed, four-year 52, back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a good lockup, in my opinion. A little expensive. Yeah. I For the Bucs right now, I mean, they're just trying to retain, like, as, as much young talent and um, as, as they can at this point. Uh, so, so locking up a, a corner that, you know, the Buccaneers at this point are a defensive first team with the construction of their roster and, and why not hold on to a, to a, a strength on your team. Okay. And here's a deal that made almost no sense to me. Jesse Bates to the Falcons four years, 64. I just I, like, like, again, this is the thing, like you sign an expensive veteran, you want to win within that contract. The Falcons won't win within the next four years. Yeah, I think for the Falcons, they want to uh, – it's everything where they want to spend a little money to see if they could potentially compete. I agree. They're not – their window is not anytime soon. It's all going to start with getting a quarterback of the future. Uh, maybe they have plans as, as far as maybe drafting someone or trading Desmond for someone. Ritter. Um, yeah, let's say I don't necessarily think he's, he's the answer there, but um, – Sometimes teams just spend money just to fill some seats, and maybe that's yeah. that's what they're doing here. 
A lot of it's an expensive seat, Jet. A very <laughs> expensive, very talented seat. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Seventy-two million dollars for Tremaine Edmonds to go play in Chicago. This is a team. Wait, again. I want to. I want to break some news before before. Uh, we got we got a free agent move because we were talking about this guy a little bit before on uh, I think before the show I don't think you mentioned Mark Gardner Minshew is okay. now an Indianapolis Colt everyone. <laughs> awesome! <laughs> yeah. Woo. Is That's, he going to uh, be starting week one? No, nah, it'll be the exact same. It'll be the Nick Foles effect. It'll be the Nick Foles effect for sure. Um, you know, maybe we can bring back Jacob Eason for this season as well. <laughs> uh, as I was saying, this is another team. It's like they're making so many moves to win. And, I mean, they've made enough to where I'm starting to believe it, like Tremaine Edmonds. But the thing is, they had a better linebacking core for less money last year with Roquan Smith. I That's the part I don't understand. But, again, you know, teams that are consistently at the bottom of the standings, consistently make moves like this in free agency they see a player who and like Tremaine Edmonds he's a good player like he's a good he's a certified good ball player but 72 million to a guy when you're on a team that just won two games and you're on a team where you are not very certain about the direction of any aspect of your roster and then you lock up 72 million dollars to a good, not great linebacker. Bad teams make bad moves. We've talked about it before, but it's just these. This is the move right here. That's why the Bears will be bad again five years from now. It's like it's like a seemingly never-ending rebuild for a lot of teams. These are the moves to look at. I think the like for the Bears, like right now, this this doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> but I think with the draft capital they now have assembled for the next couple of years, I think we could potentially be seeing them like competing. Um, at least in the next two years, if, if they're able to nail these picks, Justin Fields is the player they hope that he is. Um, but again, it's the type of thing where teams have a lot of extra money to use and they don't want it to just sit in their bank accounts. They want to, they want to put it towards something, fill seats, have a competitive roster on the field. That's really what it comes down to in these types of situations. Las Vegas Raiders have upgraded from Derek Carr to handsome Derek Carr in the form of a three-year, $67.5 million deal for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll be the first to talk about this one. Yeah. Makes no sense. I mean, it's like you sat you sat Derek Carr at the end of last season because he was so horrendous for you. I, I don't know what you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do better. Like, he wins, yeah, but has he ever been on a bad team? No. So... Again, bad teams make bad moves. Yeah, obviously the connection with Josh McDaniels and Jimmy Garoppolo is probably one of the reasons this this move did happen. Um, the Raiders are in a very interesting spot. We went from you know a year ago thinking they had a really good shot at winning the division to to a year now where there's a ton of uncertainty with guys you know leaving the team. Darren Waller is no longer with the Raiders. Obviously, no more Derek Carr. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is just a placeholder. I think they're either going to draft someone this year or next year, you know, depending on where they obviously are next year. But um, just a placeholder. I think Josh McDaniels wants to draft his guy, and whether it's this year or next year, that'll probably be the route they go. All right. Um, And then Javon Hargrave, 
just beefing up this 49ers defense. Like it, it was already stacked. Four years, 84 million, 10 million a year of that is guaranteed. Javon Hargrave, San Francisco Jet. Yeah. Um, how do you like, you know, the 49ers poaching poaching someone away from that fantastic defensive line? I think I could easily say now the 49ers have their better defensive line after that move. Well, um, I mean, <laughs> that's like that's like me saying, like, oh, like now I can say that the Bills have a better quarterback with Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, yeah just just you know, just trying to add some humor to the show. But um No, I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, we saw what the 49ers running defense was last year. I'm mean, adding Javon Hargrave. I'm only going to make that better. Um, you know, for the Eagles, it definitely hurts a little bit, but they were so deep as is. I, I think that they will be just fine. Um, but, yeah, 49ers, better better defense at this point in time. And then the last football free agency I want to get into, unless you have something else in mind. Austin Eckler has been given permission to seek a trade amid stalled contract talks. Austin Eckler fantasy owners cower in a corner. No, um, you're wrong. You're wrong. Because this could go obviously there, there's a good there's a good outcome to this and there's a bad outcome. It's obviously gonna depend on where he ends up, but he could go to a team like the Bengals, who looks like they may get rid of Joe Mixon. That he can go to another contender that is a is a solid situation, or I mean, I've heard reports that the Washington Commanders are interested in him. So it, it could go one of two ways. Obviously, Eckler, an extremely talented player, it'll be interesting to see how he performs outside of Los Angeles. Um, but it's not a done deal that he's gone. Um, they could still potentially work something out, but it's it, very interesting to see that you know every guy on my fantasy team is either requesting a trade or changing teams. Right, and then I would do the same if I was under your rule. But all right, Jet. Last thing before we get to our lovely word of the day is the last thing is the NBA MVP race. It is no longer a serious trophy or a serious award, and that is thanks to the voters. And let me tell you why: if LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Will Chamberlain, who was dropping fifty a game at points in his career, if those guys weren't good enough to win three in a row. And I'm sorry, 25 points, 12 boards, and 10 assists is not either. But they're going to do it anyway. Here's a look at 10 through 1 in the MVP race right now. 10 is Julius Randle, the New York Knicks. Very quietly an MVP candidate this year. Number 9, John Morant of the Grizzlies. I'm not too sure. Maybe this is a little bit outdated, this article. Number 8, Donovan Mitchell, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Number 7. Kevin Durant, it does say Phoenix Suns, so it is not that outdated. Number six, Devonta Sabonis of the Kings, and he's a huge reason why this team is all of a sudden, you know, top three in the West. Number five is Luka Doncic. All he has is the points. That's the only reason he's at five. Jason Tatum is number four. And then finally, it's a three-man race between Giannis, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic at three, two, and one, respectively. Now, Jet, you know, I'm no... NBA MVP voter by any stretch, but there's zero, there's zero excuse for Nikola Jokic to win his third straight MVP. I'm sorry. I disagree. I disagree. And you're no, no, MVP, it, you're, you're no MVP voter, but you're also a 76ers fan, which is kind of the reason why this, this it doesn't have to be MVP. It doesn't show. even have to be MVP. That's fine. But, but Giannis the, is better than Jokic this year. Wrong. The point I want to make Tatum is, is better than Jokic. The, the point year. I want to make is the, the thing that MVP voters and, and basketball fans are going to look at 
is in terms of players having historical seasons. And Nikola Jokic is on pace to have a historical season. I mean, he's been having an historical season all year. There's only been two other players to average a triple-double over the course of an NBA season. Russell Westbrook, Oscar Robertson. And you, you can mention those other guys, LeBron not winning three MVPs in a row, um, whoever, whoever. But neither of those guys, none of those guys have been able to achieve what Nikola Jokic is on pace to achieve. Um and you look at the previous two seasons, he was just an unstoppable player. He's still an unstoppable player. But when you get to this level of history about to be achieved, um, there's there's no reason why he shouldn't be the favorite to win the MVP. And I, I, I'll acknowledge the fact that this MVP race is not what it was probably a couple of weeks ago, just with how the 76ers are playing and how the Nuggets are playing. But um, Nicole Oakland is still the front runner, and I think he'll end up winning it once more. Anybody shouldn't, Jen. And that, that's that's absolutely a problem. If I'm telling you, Nikola Jokic is not as good as LeBron James. He's well, not as good as Magic Johnson. So then why they've put We're together better three year stretches? But they put together better three year stretches. James Harden has had a better three year stretch. But you don't look at it in stretches. You look Russell at it. Westbrook has had a better three year stretch. You look at it each Nicole season Jokic. individually. You can't look at it in stretches. It's not a three year MVP race. I get that. But what I'm saying is voter fatigue has very clearly always been a thing. And they're turning it off because it's some white guy. I don't understand it. We're not getting into that part, but um, no, I'm getting into it. I'm getting into that's, it. There's that's, a serious that, problem. That, that, that's not white it, NBA though. coaches. It's it, it's white NBA coaches. It's white NBA voters. It's white NBA this. White NBA GMs. White NBA owners. You can't call them that anymore. They're senators. The you white NBA look- senators. The white NBA voters. All giving it to a white NBA MVP. Meanwhile, it's a predominantly black sport, and it's actually sickening. Honestly, Jet, look at me. You're wrong. I'm you're, I'm you're, sick. I'm you're sick. Wrong. That's fine. You want I'm to sick. Why you're wrong? I'm before, sick. Before it. before Jokic won the MVP in 2021, and I I hate that we're bringing this up, but a white NBA player had not won the MVP since 2007 in Dirk Nowitzki, and before that it was Steve Nash, and then before that you have to go all the way until. 1986, when Larry Bird won it. So I don't want to hear that argument. That's not the case no, at all. You're racist. Performances on the court. Jet Rosenstein of the 25-8 Sportscast has just come out today as racist, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, where do we go from here as a show? I don't know. Oh, I, I'm really starting hope, to... I really hope you don't make it big because I'm about to get canceled. <laughs> I'm starting to think that uh, Nick Castellanos might be hitting a home run this afternoon in a spring training game because, you know, this is bad. I can't believe it, but uh, that's the rest of the show, Jen. I'm going to send you an encrypted tweet of the day uh, that you can get to whenever you're ready. Uh, where is the tweet of the day? Yeah, probably lost it. Man, I don't lose. I don't lose things like that. You better believe it. And it should be in your inbox at this time. Tweet of the day. Presented by the 25 I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So So just go ahead and give us who it's from. Well, who it's from is not who it's from. No, no, no. But let's let's just give give us give us who it's from. Okay. So first off. And then, well, lastly, and last thing. Just don't read hashtags towards the end because those are irrelevant, you know, in the sense of a tweet. It's just trying to engage viewership. So ignore the hashtag and who it's from and then date yeah. and time. 
and uh, just read us. Yeah. Please. So this uh, first of all, I want for listening. Uh, flip your phone. Flip your phone over just for one second. This tweet is from Adam Schefter, um, published on March sixteenth, two thousand twenty-three, three thirty-six p.m. Um, Adam was probably doing nothing in this moment, like he probably normally is. So he just was able to rattle off this type of tweet. And uh, here we go. I am severely struggling to see the vision here for J-Man at J-Man plays 28 in the squad they're putting together over there. This is a roster full of aging players and or players who have recently lost their jobs with their respective clubs. Uh, Chris Godwin will be catching passes for Baker Mayfield. Austin Eckler is trending towards a new situation. DeAndre Swift will be out of football in two years or less. An entire bench full of names you have never heard of. Looking to see a hero to zero type season here for Jet and company. However, uh, championship is definitely, um, definitely in in the landscape here. And the hashtag fake news app. So, uh, did he say did did he say um in the middle of that last yeah. sentence? Yeah, he did. He did. I can't. Adam, lose my number, man. Lose my number. I can't verify that. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing the tweet right here. It doesn't say anything about a championship run. I do. It's um, and it doesn't. So. Adam Schefter, everybody. Thank you very much. I think it's a very accurate take by him. Um, profile picture is correct and everything. It must be him. I think he's right, Jet. I think uh, – I mean, I, I kind of agree with a lot of the things he's saying. I, it's almost like I maybe, I should, maybe I should start working for this guy. Um, Chris Godwin will be catching passes from Baker Mayfield come next season. Austin Eckler is trending towards a new situation. DeAndre Swift will – be out of football within the next two years. The tire bench is full of names you've never heard of. Um, here it is, your type season for Jet and Company. I think it's summed up pretty well. Uh, do you have Do you have a case for your team? Like maybe? Yeah, like, I mean, I think we'll give just... some of the fans out there like something to hope for because yeah, I mean, a lot I of think... a lot of people right now. Your jersey sales are twelfth out of twelve. Yeah, that's fine. I'll give so... people hope right now. Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, two names right there. That's your hope. Second best quarterback deal in the dynasty league. Um, talk about talk about carrying carrying a team. Uh, they're more incapable to do. Then I'm not even getting to the the real the real meat of the team. I, I just I don't want to I don't want to hurt your feelings because I know you you are in this the same league as me. Um, and well, Adam Schefter ain't making tweets. I'm going about up here. You're going down here. Um, but no, like that's the thing. Like you're you're. I like to think of your team like the Bears. Like really poor management. Um, they, they try and you know make some moves to to make the team better, make the fans happy. But you know, in a couple of years, they just go down downwards, and then they make a big move, and they they rise a little bit, but then they go down, and they continue to trade just to trade, and then never really any aspect or or reason yeah. behind it. You know, it's funny you should say that, but uh, I know my fans are backing me one hundred percent. Okay. Um, fourth, I think fourth or fifth. Last time I checked, I can't remember. Um, among jersey sales, top who's grossing. Who's, who's top first? grossing. Who's first? First in first in jersey sales was Jalen Hurts after this yeah. season. Okay. Um, but but like I said, top grossing fourth or fifth was Terrace Marshall Jr. Right. And that's a guy. I mean, I can do that for anybody. Yeah. I mean, if I can do it for Terrace Marshall Jr., Noah Gray was top twenty-five. I mean, these, these are guys like if I'm pushing a player, my fan base backs me one hundred percent. They're all in. I'm all in. The players are all in. This is a this is a working progress. We're all in it together. And um, I mean, well about, said. Well said. About zero percent of our viewers are actually in this dynasty league, so we're rambling for no reason. So, um, well, maybe one on a good day, you know. Well, yeah, it's very true. 
we'll have to advertise this portion in. We'll yeah. say, yo, we talked about the Dynasty League. Yeah, exactly. We'll get we'll go from uh, 1,500 views to like 1,508 views. Give or take. You got to – Give or take. Yeah. Right. Give or take. Yeah. Very true. Jet, Bryson Stott hits a solo home run in the top of the first. I think that's a perfect way to close this episode out. What say you, my brother? Yeah, uh, San Diego State ended up, you know, closing out Chicago, as you like to say. And um, yeah. Arizona is in danger. The two seed losing the 15 seed Princeton right now. So we'll have to see how that game wraps up. Stay tuned for the uh, – when I go on uh, Instagram Live and give you a full rundown. I might have to, man. All right, Jet, thank you very much. Great episode to you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. I'm Tommy. That was Jet. And this was the 25-8 Sportscast. And cue the outro. <laughs>